both the Old and New Testaments and what it means to be a mom and how, uh, how God clearly speaks to us about the influence of a mother. And with that in mind, I want to pray for God's favor. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for uh, unfailing love that you give us. And your mercies are made new every morning. We confess that your faithfulness is great. Um, Abba, Father, I want to say thank you for moms who love and care and sacrifice in so many ways. Uh, Would you please, please bless and get our hearts uh, ready to receive the truth. And as James said, that the implanted word can actually save our souls. Lord, I love you and I thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, for those watching online, thank you so much. Um, If you're watching off the website, uh, text Pastor Stephen your comments, your questions. I want to hear from you. And then, of course, if you're watching on Facebook live stream, uh, please post your comments and Stephen will be feeling that as well. So let's dig into some things about about motherhood. Uh, Some of you may not be aware that the Apostle Paul had an adoptive mother. Uh, This may be very new to some of you, and perhaps you've never heard this. In Romans chapter 16, Paul gives a long list of people he wants to thank, he wants to recognize, uh, because the Apostle Paul is connecting relationships. And as he does this, at verse 13, he says, I want you, he's addressing Phoebe, I want you to greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother in mine. Who is Rufus? Well, the name Rufus is Latin, and so we can argue historically that he's probably from Rome, and it means red. Rufus means red. He is possibly red-headed. All right? In fact, it's a nickname. Rufus is a nickname, and it means probably red or redhead. In fact, it was a very common name uh, that was given to both slaves and free persons. So this guy's nickname is Red. Okay. Now, he writes to Rufus, uh, or to, that they recognize Rufus in Rome, and he calls him a choice man in the Lord, also his mother in mine. His mother in mine. That's what's interesting. Why would he call Rufus mother mine? Why does he do that? This is an interesting thing. I think it breaks open the influence of a mother in a way perhaps that you're not familiar with. For example, let's look at some background. In Mark chapter 3, the mother and the brothers of Jesus are trying to locate Jesus. They believe Jesus is probably uh, working too hard. In fact, there's some language based out of the Greek text that he is probably losing a bit of his mind. They think Jesus is going way too far on some things. And so Mary, in concern for her son, dispatches siblings, get him, and tell him to come home. And in that exchange, Jesus says to them, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Jesus answers them and said, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who were sitting before him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, this is my brother 
and sister and mother. In this teaching, Jesus is saying that we can have extended or expanded family, and it's known as fictive kinship. Okay? Where someone who's not your biological relative becomes as though they are. They become very, very close, all right? So this is a teaching that kind of gets this whole idea started. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, 1, 2, to Timothy, and he says, My true son in the faith. True son can be translated my genuine son, my real son. And it's interesting, it's commonly used for people who are biologically related. But we know Timothy is not biologically related to Paul. And yet Paul says he is in Christ. So Paul says, Timothy, my true son, my genuine son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He says the same thing to Titus. Titus, my true son in a common faith. Now when Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, he describes his influence there in both feminine terms and masculine terms. He says, when we were there, he and the mission team, we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. And in the same way, we had a fond affection for you and we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Beautiful language, maternal language. So, we have a historical scenario that forms, all right? Let's, let's really think. If you come to Christ Church, I want you to think. Ready? Let's do it. Historical scenario number one. The Apostle Paul, let's figure out why he believes he has an adoptive mother. Well, the mother of Rufus was one of the people present when Jesus pronounced her as fictive family. As a member, as referenced in Mark 3, in other words... Probably this woman is from, from Rome, but she's in Jerusalem for a, a Passover, for a major religious holiday. And during that time, she hears the teaching of Jesus. And she is a part of the crowd when Jesus said, Hey, you want, mom and the boys want me to come home? No, no, no. Let me tell you who my real family is. These are my mother, brothers, sisters, those that, that do the will of God. It's possible that this unnamed mother was in that crowd, okay? Her husband is the one who carried the cross of Jesus several years earlier. Because Alexander and Rufus are the two brothers, the sons of this woman, okay, based on Mark 15. She moved to Rome or, or was just in, you know, going back to where she lived at a later date, and she was introduced to Paul. And you can look at Matthew 27 and following. Paul was aware that he had familial deficits. Do you know what I mean by that? Familial deficits? Some of you know what it's like to not have a mom. Some of you know what it's like to not have a dad. Some of us have very strained relationships with our moms and dads, and, and we have familial deficits. We've got holes in our heart that only a mommy can fill, but we don't have a mommy. We've got holes in our heart that only a daddy can fill, but we don't have a daddy. 
Paul is evidently aware of that. His own deficits, in all likelihood, both his father and mother have already died by this time. And the mother of Rufus takes in Paul as a fictive son. Who'd have thunk it? The Apostle Paul has an adoptive mother. Paul is so impacted by her love and acceptance that he brings her influence into his ministry. It actually has an impact on Paul. Paul, in keeping with this, adopts Timothy, adopts Titus as his sons in Christ. Paul brings special paternal, fatherly, as well as motherly uh, care to strategic cities like Thessalonica and also Philippi, where he uses similar, very tender language. Or the second scenario is something like this. Paul was exposed to victive kinship when he became a follower in, uh, in Jerusalem. He, he learned of this early on. He incorporated victive kinship in his ministry and adopts Timothy and Titus as his son. Later on, he is introduced to Rufus' mother, and out of admission of his own needs, familial deficits, Paul is adopted by her. Beautiful language. The mother of Rufus was so impactful to Paul, on either scenario, so impactful that in his closing years of ministry, they were characterized both as fatherly and motherly with his churches. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's look at, look at this. So moms, which, which one are you? You know, are, are, are you got it all together and you're ready for that, that photo shoot and just everything's perfect, your makeup's perfect, or your, your kids are driving you bonkers, you know, and you want to pull your hair out over, over your kids or your grandkids. Um, regardless... I want you to apply, let's do life application and let's really anchor in to what the scriptures say about mother-like influence. Number one, when you read Proverbs 31, it's interesting. Uh, Proverbs chapter 31, there's a bit of a break in the series of, of Proverbs. And it specifically says that, that this, there's a mother trying to help her son who happens to be a king on how to live his life out in wisdom. His name is Lamuel in Hebrew. Lamuel, which means chosen of God. A lot of Hebrew scholars suggest that Lamuel is code for Solomon. This is code for Solomon. Okay. Uh, if it's not Solomon, we have, it's an unknown king. Nobody knows who this guy is. But this is what this mother says. The words of King Lemuel, the pronouncement which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire intoxicating drink. Uh, in Hebrew, that would be like shikara, uh, whiskey. Otherwise, they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the needy. So you've got this mother trying to teach a king how to maintain powerful political and religious influence in his kingdom. It's a mom. 
It's not a dad. You'd expect a dad. You would expect Lemuel to say, my dad set me down by his knee and said, son, this is how I want you to act like a man. Be like a man and walk straight in God and this is what you do. But it's mom. Verse 31, 26, um, or chapter 31, verse 26. It's, that, it's the ending of that long description of this amazing mother, wife of Proverbs 31, and she does all these things. But what I want you to remember is that when she opens her mouth, she speaks wisdom. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Wow. Any woman, particularly a mother, when she opens her mouth and she speaks wisdom and she's kind, that is tremendous influence for a child, even an adult child. And then as I mentioned in Mark 3, Jesus is teaching about redefining family, fictive kinship. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, this is my brother and sister and mother. I want you to appreciate the depth of fictive kinship. In Mark 10, Jesus is teaching. Uh, Peter says, Lord, you know, we've given up everything for you. We've left our families. Some of us have left our wives and our kids. We've left it all to follow you. And Peter, and I love his honesty, he goes, what's in it for us? That's really what he's asking. We've done all this. What's in it for us? And Jesus describes the payoff. And he says this. Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now, now, in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. A hundred times sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. What is he speaking of? He has to be speaking of the body of Christ. He has to be speaking of becoming family in Christ. And those people fill up the very empty places in our hearts that, hold, that our own biological mom should fill, our own biological dad should fill, our own biological children should fill. I, I, I have clients who come to see me, and they're, they're, uh, some of them are, are moms and dads who have adult children. And they're devastated by the rejection of their own children absolutely takes the legs out from under them to think that their own biological, biological children have turned on them, leaving huge familial deficits. In Jesus, we get houses. There's a table we can eat at. There's brothers and sisters, mothers, children. Beautiful. Okay, Matthew 7, I love this. In everything Jesus teaches us, therefore treat people the same way you want them to treat you. How is that for kindness being on your tongue? How is that for being wise? 
Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Galatians 5, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These qualities make a profound influence uh, for a mom. First Thessalonians 2, again, Paul says, me, our mission team, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. And in the same way, we had a fond affection, genuine love for you, and we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, also but our own lives, because you, you had become very dear to us, loving, endearing um, relationships. By the way, uh, if, if you have a reasonable level of discernment, you know when someone likes you, and you know when they don't. <laughs> right? You, you really do. Come on, it's not that hard. Uh, we're real good at letting people know we're ticked off, aren't we? We've got good skill sets. We've got awesome pouty faces. We've got really powerful snarling eyebrows. We know how to shame. We know how to put people in their places. We know how to let them know, I'm not happy with you and I'm putting distance between me and you. We're pretty good at that, okay? If we could be real for a moment. What's amazing is... If the Apostle Paul came up to me and said, Chris, I have such a fond affection for you and you have become so dear to me, I'd fall down and grab him by the ankles. I love you, Paul. I love you. I thank you. I love you. You know. Man, you know when people love you. You know how they act, how they look at you, what they say. Man, where did Paul learn that? Where did Paul learn to be so sweet? Lee, what was Paul like before he was converted? Murderer. Not so sweet, huh? Not so much. In fact, if you look at the Greek text closely, he not only was a murderer, Lee, this is really bad, it seems he enjoyed it. It seems he took great pride in making Christians suffer. Sounds like he had a pretty twisted mind and a twisted heart at that point. There's quite a bit of vocab attached to people that like to hurt other people. You know that, don't you? There's, there's a lot of medical language that can be used to describe people that enjoy hurting other people. This guy's a Pharisee of Pharisees. Talk about hard and discipline and rule-oriented. Oh, my goodness. Brilliant. Memorized the first five books of the Old Testament verbatim. Can you imagine quoting Leviticus? <laughs> Numbers. Being able to pull it up. Knowing all the law by heart, so competitive, you're excelling against all your peers. A Hebrew of Hebrews. A Pharisee of, Brian, this guy's tough as nails. This isn't the guy that says, hey, I, I've loved you so much, it's like you're my newborn baby, and I'm taking care of you. I have this deep, fond affection for you, and you become very dear to me. Doesn't sound like the tough guy that he used to be. I wonder where he got that. Jesus, certainly, obviously. Jesus, obviously. That's, there's no doubt. But I'm wondering if there's a mother. Her son was Rufus. She watched her husband carry the cross of Jesus. She learned something about grace. Maybe she was sitting in the crowd when Jesus says, you, 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 Mom wants me to come home. 
Time out. Let me tell you who my real mom is. Look at this. These people. And that woman, transformed in the love and grace of Christ, realized that there was a familial deficit, a hole in the apostles' part, Paul's heart. And Paul needed a mommy. How's that? Can I say it plainly? Paul needed a mommy. <laughs> if he didn't, we wouldn't have Romans 16, verse 13. We wouldn't have it. Paul needed a mommy. Mommies are amazing. Mommies in Christ Jesus. Mommies who, when they open their mouth, wisdom comes out. When they open their mouth, kindness is on their tongue. Wow. That lady has influence. This morning, I want to honor all of you who are mothers. I want to honor you, even though you've never had a baby yourself. You have the heart of a mom. I want to honor you. I want to honor the mothers who have miscarried. And I want to honor the mothers who are post-abortive. Um, we have lots of people online right now. And, you know, all of us, if we could be just get a little, a little ouchy moment here. You know, we've, we've all made decisions that are really, really unhealthy. And we fought battles nobody knows about and probably nobody should know, okay? Some things are nobody's business. They're just not. But there are some women who made a decision to abort, and that haunts them. And those listening online, and please, I need you all to comment and engage me on the, the love uh, that a mother brings and how God uses that love. I want you to know every mother here who is post-abortive or every mother who has miscarried, are you ready? There are babies waiting for you in heaven. There are babies waiting. Yeah. And when we go there, we're going to see them face to face. Now, I personally believe that we're going to know them. I, I don't think we're going to be, well, hi, what's your name? Well, I'm Billy. Well, hi, Billy, good to meet you. And like we're, we're just oblivious. No, I think it's going to be Jesus saying, hey, Chris, hey, Lisa, this is the baby you lost. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm hoping Jesus is going to say, He's a he, you know, because uh, I've lived in a girl's dorm my entire life. And I'm just, you know, come on. <laughs> I want to throw the baseball, you know. Uh, and I think it's going to be beautiful. And I believe, uh, it isn't interesting. Remember back in, in Mark 10, it says you're going to get a hundredfold children brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. Do you realize how many aborted kids are in the U.S. who have been aborted? Are we in the multiple millions? So Jesus' words are coming true. <laughs> there are hundreds of children. And you are going to be the mommies and the daddies. And it's going to be beautiful. Deep, deep places that are empty in Christ are going to be filled. It's going to be beautiful. So, moms, thank you um, for the, dare I say, hundreds of thousands of diapers that have been changed and laundry, loads of laundry and, and the dishes and meals prepped and uh, 
uh, it's amazing. So, you know, uh, I've discovered, uh, some of you probably are already aware of this, if you have grandchildren. Grandchildren are like honeybees and hummingbirds. They need constant food. Did you know that? You, you, prepare, you prepare a meal, and then 15 minutes later, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and you gotta do it again. And 15, I'm hungry, I'm starving, I'm starving, you know. Phoebe goes so fast, she goes so hard like a hummingbird, she has to have constant supply of glucose to keep flying, so. Greet Rufus. Tell Red I said hi. You say hi to Red. He's elect. He's really, really special. His daddy carried the cross for our Lord. He's a choice man. Say hello to his mother. She's my mommy too. The Apostle Paul has an adoptive mother. You are the church. <laughs> We've got a lot of moms in the room. You're the church. Speak. Open your mouth. Speak wisdom. Speak kindness. Uh, can you imagine that the Lord would use an unnamed mother to have such a big influence on the mighty Apostle Paul? At some point in his life, he realized that he, he needed a mom. You're the church. What are some ways that we can honor moms and dads? Or moms, I should say. What are your thoughts on Paul needing a mom? What are your thoughts on how we live this out? Like these scriptures we're looking at. Proverbs 31. The wise woman can instruct a king to help him act like a king. When she speaks, wisdom comes out, kindness comes out. your family in Christ. Paul was influenced by her evidently at a deep level. Paul adopts two, two young men as his sons. It's beautiful. What are your thoughts? How do we honor mom? How do we honor them in view of fictive kinship in Christ? You're the church. How can we encourage moms on Mother's Day? Stephen, and yeah, let me know in some way. Comments mm -hmm. on mom. tell a story? Sure. That, uh, I'm standing in a bank line, and this was before there were ATMs, so I think I was in line, I wanted to cash a check. And there was a young mother in front of me, and she had a baby on one hip, she had a purse and a diaper bag, and a toddler with her. She had her arm around the baby with a checkbook in it, and she is writing out her check. The toddler is getting a little far away. She reaches out with one leg, corrals him, and pulls him back to her. I am fascinated. <laughs> I'm saying this is really, I'm looking for a table to write my check, okay? <laughs> you hate I to be inconvenienced, to don't you? Yes. And she handles all of this with a bomb. No problem at all. She gets up to the television, lifts the kid there and does that, carries on a conversation, keeps an eye off a toddler, and everything is fine. I couldn't do that. 
They can multitask. Beg pardon. They can multitask. Oh yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And I was really, really impressed. Yeah. And yeah. mothers do this all the time. Yes. Uh, it's a skill that the males just don't have. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. It, and it's been probably 40 years since I saw that, for all I know. Yeah, but it's still in your mind. Yeah, yeah. it really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A king needs a mommy to help him act like a king. The mighty apostle Paul, by the way, who would take a beating from Roman soldiers and not play his Roman citizenship card. That big old tough guy needed a mommy. Wow. The influence of a mother is amazing. Someone else, how, do, how can we honor moms? How can we, we uh, be good sons and daughters to moms? What would you say? How do we encourage them? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'm thinking of two mothers in particular who changed world history. Um, Harry S. Truman uh, was in office when Israel became a nation and was the first, he was the head of our country and the very first person in the first country to acknowledge them as a country. If FDR had been in the presidency, he would have done it. But wow. he did. And uh, it was because his mother had raised him to believe that who blessed Israel was blessed by God. And he knew that. Wow. And another president, Nixon, um, who, of course, we've denigrated in history, but he did have some good qualities. Uh, he had a phone by his bed, but only a few people in the world had the number two. Gold Meyer had it. And she, wow. she was in trouble. And she said, if you don't come, we're not going to make it. Wow. He said everything he had because he remembered. Yes. But as these two women can testify, and any mother out there knows, your influence is very important. Wow, Linda, thank you. By the way, uh, Paul Revere, remember, Tom, you're a historian, and Terry. Uh, how many riders were dispatched that evening to warn the colonists of the incoming British Army? Was there just one rider? There was three. There was three? I had heard that there were five, and, but, but I am not the history buff, so we're, we're going to say it's more than one. How about that? From the report that I read, um, Paul Revere needed another rider. It's going to be a difficult ride. In fact, this rider was going to ride twice the distance that he was dispatched to ride. Guess who he sent out? His 16-year-old daughter. Yeah. God has used women and mothers throughout history, so... Someone else, a king who needs a mom, an apostle who needs a mom. How, we, how do we honor them? How do we see the bigger picture of how God uses? 
how God uses you. Moms, what I'm getting at to speak very plainly. You may not be aware of the familial deficit in the person standing next to you. And what you say can change their lives. Absolutely. Someone else, a question, comment, Steve? Anybody from online? Okay. My, my, uh, my mother was a very strong woman who I didn't always understand when I was younger. But, um, you know, like as I've gotten older, our relationship has matured. Just want to let, we don't have, we have so many young moms in here. But even if your kids are like really tough through their like teenage years, don't give up hope on them. Yeah. Relationship, so. yeah. I was a terrible teenager, so. Not you. <laughs> Surely not. Can God, um, can God use imperfect mothers? It's not about perfection, is it? It's about heart. It's about Not about being perfect at all. So someone else. Question, comment? That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Sloan, in Proverbs 23, verse 22, it says, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she's old. Yes. If Solomon is, in fact, the king behind the codename Lemuel, chosen of God, then this is something she instilled in his heart, and dad did too. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Uh, Sabrina online says, I think God uses the unconditional love of a mother to reflect his own unconditional love to us. Yes, and Sabrina, you are a wonderful mother. Rusty, your husband, wonderful dad. Thank you, Sabrina. Yes, yeah. So for just a minute, let's develop that. Sabrina is saying that the way a mother loves can reveal the love of God how mom treats a child or a person can reveal the love of God, then maybe we have a little more insight into why Paul needed a mom. That's very, very good. So, yes, Rhonda. Even when we are correcting that situation, yeah. that's still God's love. You're yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, thank you. And, and, uh, Proverbs says, Rhonda, I know you know this, that a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. <laughs> right out, I'm quoting Proverbs. A child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Uh, a child has to know what the word no means as well as what the word yes means. So, absolutely. Someone else, and we'll, we'll be done. Anybody else? That component, that nurturing and the mother of the father, when it's 
That is so true. And, and you know, uh, Steve, I, I, am, I want you to know that you are a loving parent to a lot of kids, aren't you? You bring that loving, nurturing uh, influence at, at uh, Glen Rose, which is amazing. So, uh, John, who was one of the only apostles, disciples, who was with Jesus during the death event, um, in John's, in John's gospel, Jesus transfers care and responsibility from himself to, for Mary to John. And he, he says, John, behold your mother. Another example of fictive kinship in the New Testament. Um, John is the one who writes in 1 John 4 that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear, which is beautiful. Stephen? Yeah, uh, Tammy Perkins, in uh, answering your question on how do we live this out, says we open up our homes, we share our precious people with other precious people. Some of the best aunts, for example, have no blood relationship to their nieces and nephews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Patch. I would say that when you look at the role that a mother has specifically, generally speaking, parents, there's something Very insightful, yes. That there's something very beautiful about the fact that the role that a mom has is something that is specific to that child. So Carson's going to look at his mom completely differently than he looks at me because she brings to him something that I don't. And when you have that completion, you have that wholeness. We talked about Adam and Eve. You know, Adam was a single dad. Well, it's good to be honest. Thank you. Sorry. It's theological. It's kind of blew my mind there for a second. But if, but if you look at the, the two-parent household, there's a completion image that is there because where I am limited, Christian fills in that gap yeah. from a parental perspective. And he gets a wholeness of both of us from that. There are things that she gives to him that I can't or don't do as well or don't do at all. Mm-hmm. And I need that mm-hmm. because I need the tenderness that she brings to me and to him, mm-hmm. the wife and the mother, that I cannot do mm-hmm. and that I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. And she uh, completes me. We're going to use the That was, Pat, that was brilliant. That was so good. <laughs> so, a pop quiz. Um, uh, in your life, how many times have you seen you get your mom and your dad and the mommy loves the kids and the daddy loves the kids and it's this beautiful home, right? But one of the kids falls down and busts a knee and it really hurts and they get up running. Who do they run to? Mom. 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 <laughs> Why? <laughs> dad, you love them just as much. You know, Why? what is up with that? What's up with estrogen? It's like a magnet thing for looking, oh, you know. And the kid just had hearts. And, and mom, come on, you know, where the dad say, well, just rub some dirt in it and walk it off. Let's go. Come on. What's up with testosterone? What's up with that? So there's something about the tender heart of a mom. And, and Paul needed that. Paul needed a mommy. That just, it's amazing. Yes, Terry. Yeah, I think that's a good 
Yesterday, I called my sister, uh, wished her Happy Mother's Day. She had five children and currently has 23 grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And we were talking about our mother. And she said, do you remember when you got into a fight and she had to go to the principal's office? <laughs> couple of times <laughs> and that was because we moved frequently due to my stepfather's job and being the new kid in school I always got tested so she was uh, familiar with this routine and she would go in and talk normally to the assistant principal he was a disciplinarian and her first question was did my son start it and the assistant principal would say no, and then she said, then what's the problem? <laughs> cool mom. <laughs> yes. And I said, well, we don't allow fighting. I said, well, I don't want to fight either, but I'm not going to tell him not to, to defend himself. Teach him to be a man. Yeah. yeah. And she reinforced that in me that I was not to pick on anybody, I was not to start fights, but don't back off either. Yeah, yeah, that's and so that funny. is <laughs> most, for the most part, stood me in good stead. There you go, there you go. I remember Terry, my mother, telling me, she'd say, Chrissy, it takes a bigger man to walk away from a fight. I don't know how many times I heard, it takes a bigger man to walk away. Just get, it, get hit in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lee. You know, going back to the thought that this this could be Solomon, mm -hmm. and then Solomon's mother, it reminds us of God's God's redeeming. Who is Solomon's mother? Bathsheba. Yes. And then God God could use Bathsheba yes. to teach these lessons. Yes. Yes. What's up with Matt with with Romans eight twenty eight? God causes all things to work together for good. He can, even me, even you. Wow. There's a couple of women in Jesus' family tree that raises eyebrows. Yeah, that's Matthew, Matthew's gospel. It's all there in history. Yes, absolutely. That's grace. Absolutely beautiful. Yes, Lee. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the the man after God's heart had his heart broken being foolish and the, the child that came of that woman was ranked as the most wise man on earth. He had a too. Yes. In fact... <laughs> Do not give yourself to that which destroys kings. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, someone else. Um, Stephen? Yeah, another one online. Um, this person says, Mothers can transfer the maternal deficit from their childhood to the way they raise their children, even after children are adults. How does a mother recognize that in her hurt, she has hurt her children? What can she do to fix it? An acceptance of Jesus' gift of salvation first, and then change. And they write grace upon grace. 
Okay, read that again because that is critically important. Sure. Uh, mothers can transfer the maternal deficit from their childhood to the way they raise their children, even after children are adults. How does a mother recognize that in her hurt, she has hurt her children? What can she do to fix it? An acceptance of Jesus' gift of salvation first, and then change, grace upon grace. Mm. And then a second follow-up question says, how should the children respond to their mother? All right, Christchurch, this, this, is, this is it. This is who we are. How are you going to answer that? What are you going to say? We are go live. This is what, this is what it's about. How do you answer that? Jesus. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Madison. It's beautiful. Keep going. I mean, you have to constantly be praying for your children and also looking out, you know, Christ for your own actions because it's not you who's going to necessarily change or mend that deficit. It's going to be God working on their hearts and bring that healing. So, I don't think it's fair for a mother that feels like she could go back in time and fix things and she thinks it's completely on her to make it right because that's impossible like Jesus has to be involved and you have to be doing what you can but you can't change someone's heart at the same time Yes. Like they have to make a choice to also want to sometimes children walk away don't they Remember Luke 15? A man, a young man, had the most horrible audacity to ask for his inheritance, and dad let him go. Yeah, fascinating story, actually. Own this thing. She said, what if, what if mom has a deficit that she never healed from, and so she's passing on her dysfunction to her own kids. Now the kids are dealing with it. When does the snowball stop rolling down the hill? When can we stop this thing and get it fixed so we can begin to, to function out of healthy Jesus relationships? Um, Dan, Daniel. I would say the biggest step is simply acknowledging that it's happened and being willing to approach your children and say, look, I've fallen short. I'm sorry. I'm going to work on being better. Because sometimes it's not even the action of actually changing it, but the part of I'm going to do it I acknowledge that I wasn't here for you. I'm going to be better. I know, not having my dad in my life, I would have loved to hear that. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's so good, Daniel. Let's play this out. Here's Paul. He's going into Rufus' home, or, or, or Rufus' mom's home, and there their eyes meet. So Paul, who <laughs> needs a mommy, there's Rufus' mom, their eyes meet. The way she, is it the way she greeted him? hospitality is it the meal she served is it what she what she said what if what if she said to him you know Paul uh, I, I, I so believe in you I want to give you some money to help fund the mission work as you're expanding out I, I believe in what you're doing and I want you to know that I, that I care for you and that I'm going to be praying for you what if something clicked inside Paul's heart when he heard that and Paul was like, maybe, I don't know, did, it, did a melodramatic tear form in his eye? I don't know. But it impacted Paul. Something happened. And when maybe she said, Paul, I want, I want to consider you as my son. 
an ancient Mediterranean tradition and custom. What if Paul said, no, ma'am, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I don't need you because I have Jesus. Well, well, I'm not kidding. Listen closely to me. Sometimes we use religious ideas to cover up our pain. And evidently Paul didn't do that. And there was something that clicked between the two so that later on, later on Paul could say, hey, when you get there, I want you to say hi to Rufus' mom because she's my mom too. We've got to admit some things, right? We've got to admit when we fail. We've got to admit when we have needs. And that's good. Keep going. How do we answer this question? Uh, uh, Joe. Well, I was just going to say, was just said, you got to apologize for knowing what you did. If you are a person who's changed through Christ and you know you're wrong, yeah. you, I mean, the first step is always to reach out and confess. And then realize what Matt said. You cannot, it's not going to be like flicking a light switch. And, oh, great for our family again. There's a rebuilding process, a healing process. Yeah. It takes participation from all the parties. Yes, yes. If, if Yes, yes, you can't force it. So, by the way, if we're the body of Christ and we're family, how important is it for us to meet and do what we're doing right now? How important is that? It really is. What's that? All the time. All the time. We, we need this. It's kind of like this, these little course corrections that keep us on the path. Of loving because there's probably a discouraged mother here somewhere, right? <laughs> and they need to hear, they're going to hear something from Linda or, or the other mothers, and they're going to like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make it. Yeah. Or dad, that, that's why we do this. That's why we are the church. So, um, Carrie, yes. So, Carrie, I read something that was very interesting. Um, supposedly, supposedly, Lisa, you and I have talked. I evidently have some Native American Indian in me from a New England tribe. We're not sure if it's Algonquin or something. Then I was reading about the Iroquois tribe. And, Lee, when they go to make a decision, the, the Iroquois male is required to reflect back seven generations to consider decisions in the last seven de- uh, generations. They gotta go backwards. What, ha- what has been the history of our fathers? And then guess what they do next? They have to project seven generations forward. If I make this decision, how will it affect the next generation? Seven backwards, seven forward, and after that consideration, they make the decision. Wow, wow. How much more should we in Christ know how to make a decision with our Lord Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor, who is mighty God, everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. Laura. Uh, 
<laughs> that relationship may not be what someone else has, and I think that's what's really hard is the comparisons of other families that yeah. you see. That, you, yeah. that there's no wrong in having that desire, but to know that God has given you that mother, mm. you chose her to be your mother. Yeah. So in doing so, in order to honor God in that relationship, yeah. Mm-hmm. But to give mm-hmm. to give the grace where it's needed and to meet to meet where the um, where there are deficits. And you should try to build where the weaknesses are that she has. Yes. To find the space to help lift yeah. her up. Laura, you're you're speaking wisdom. Uh, if there's a wise woman in the room right now, a wise mother, do you know what I know about you? Is you realize that you're not perfect. If you, if you are a mother and you are wise, I know that you know you're not perfect. And guess what? You're okay with it. Because you've realized this is life. And by the way, your children aren't perfect either. By the way, shocking news, your kids have a sin nature. Are you aware of this? I, I know, I know. There's, there's going to be exception, right, when you start having kids, right? No. You know, your kids need grace just like you do. Do you know that? Your kids need grace just like you do. Cody? I was thinking of uh, mothers and, and fathers. I think you mothers. Uh, who are believers and will show the love of Christ. Christ, who had a lot of, you know, quote unquote, kids, the, the, the apostles were like, you know, biggest teaching method was what? He would ask questions. He would ask questions, not just sit there and say, you know, that, 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 which there's time for that. But, sure. But he was pushing back against this you know, ancient that, that, you know, do this, this, and this, and that. Yeah. Yes. And I've, uh, I've seen this happen many times. Is I've been around it. I grew up around it. Not necessarily my mother, but well, don't don't chop off on do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> because that's the biggest like. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you do it, if you if you do it, to show them. That is so good, Cody. Yes, yes. Kids know when they're loved, and they know when they're not. Um, Stephen, to the, uh, that comment, I'll, I'll wrap it up by saying this. Uh, to the mom who's realized that she has brought her own deficits in and penalized the kids for her raising, um, I would push you to Matthew seven twelve. that learn the skill set of treating people the way you want to be treated. <coughs> That's where the healing begins. When we start treating people the way we need to be treated, we want to be treated, and when, that, when love begins to be the principal motive, this is where the healing takes place. So, Thank you all for what you've shared. It has been absolutely beautiful. 
And I'm so grateful. So I want to pray and bless us. And we're going to sing. Father, I love you. Thank you for the way you've been kind. Would you please bless and encourage us right now? And we're going to sing love songs to you. And give, and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.